You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church, to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church, to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Come one, come all to The Worship Review, your favorite Christian podcast about the music sung by Christians and in the church. My name is Tyler. I am a linguist, a former worship leader, and a friend of my co-host, Colin. Hello, my name is Colin. I am a history professor and a former worship leader, and now a person who is on a podcast with with my co-host, Tyler. On this third series, what we are doing is looking at the most popular song in the countries which represent our highest listenership on this show. So what we want to do is examine not simply what's being sung in the church, although that may also be happening with some of these songs, but what is on the lips of Christians in these countries and what might they be interacting with on the other six days of the week, so to speak. So today we're taking a look at our country with the fifth highest listenership, which is Ghana. Ghana. That country which uh, defeated the United States in the 2010 World Cup, but vengeance was ours in the <laughs> next World Cup. We drew them in the draw and uh, managed to defeat them two to one. It's a glorious day. But I suspect Ghana will have its revenge at some point. They've, they've had our number in soccer, football, that sport where you kick the ball around. Yeah, I hear that's kind of popular outside of the United States. Is that true, Colin? I don't know. You know, I you know who knows? Who knows what happens outside the United States? And is it is it really worth learning about anything outside the United States? I would say yes. <laughs> that is why we are looking today at a song by Joe Metal called Bononi, or Bononi. I think is how it might be better pronounced. Uh, more open of a vowel. Uh, Tyler, do you have some fun facts about Ghana? Oh, I have fun facts about <laughs> Ghana. Oh, man, I have fun facts about Ghana. It's Ghana is the world's second largest producer of cocoa. Ah. And there is a very interesting video. Um, you might even say a wild video to watch of Ghana's president uh, being invited to the Federal Council of Switzerland. Very formal environment, very terse and political, and they are praising the Switzerland-Ghana relationship and showing gratitude, the Swiss are, for Ghana's provision of cocoa for Swiss chocolate. But the president of Ghana surprises the entire room, and I would say probably the entire world, at least as is interested in watching cocoa production, by saying, Ghana has decided it will no longer be exporting its cocoa to Switzerland, instead planning to start creating its own chocolate. And so you can watch the faces oh. of everyone in the room change as he he starts he's serious? going. He's very serious. Oh. Very serious. So they are it's a very interesting video to watch. I would recommend you look it up because as he says oh. this, you can feel the mood in the room. It goes from this one of cordiality yeah. and uh, friendliness and camaraderie to a little not hostility per se, but really cold terms all of a sudden. Um Another fun fact, the 1961 to 1965 construction of the Akosombo Dam flooded the 
Volta River Basin and created Lake Volta, which is the world's largest man-made lake. Um, it covers 2 million acres of land and is it represents 3% of Ghana's entire area. So very, Whoa. very large lake. Yeah. So we, ha- we have a further benefit today, and that is that AfricanGospelLyrics.com, which is operated by uh, someone named Rain, she translates the lyrics of African songs oh, for the world because she helpful. was on YouTube and she saw so many comments on her favorite songs asking for translations that she just decided to start this website. So we actually have um, the English text in this song, but also the Ga text, which is ah. the other language that's spoken here. Uh, she has translated it for us. That is very useful because otherwise the chorus of this song is just one line in English. Yes. So that will be very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. No one else but you, right? Yep. Yep. So Colin, if I were to ask you, and I am going to ask you, to give us an overview what this song is about, what its main elements or key components are, what would you say? Yeah. Short summary, this is a song that proclaims God's personal work in an individual's life, including freeing the person from sin and adopting them. So you get lines that talk about those two things. But it's a song that just kind of, yeah, explains how good God is to a person and, you know, God is, has just rescued the person and the person is just kind of reflecting on how amazed they are that God has, has rescued them. That sounds very good. Yeah. On, it, on its surface, certainly. Yeah. It does. So let's get into the text then, yeah. shall we? Yeah, let's do it. I am who I am because of you. If it had not been for you, tell me where would I be? I was lost and sinking deep in sin. But you reached out your hand and rescued me. No one else can do the things you do. I am who I am because of you. If it had not been for you, tell me, where would I be? I was lost and sinking deep in sin, but you reached out your hand and rescued me. No one else can do the things you do. There's no one else but you. Many Christian songs in the first verse give you a sense of whatever the problem in the song is. In some cases, this is very, very vague. In some cases, it's very, very specific. It's not always done in the first verse. It's not always done at all. This song does follow that formula because it tells us a few things about what is wrong eventually in this first verse. Actually, the first thing it just says is that, um, you know, if it hadn't been for God, I'd presumably be in a bad place, but I'm in a great place because of God. And he, then he outlines the problem. I was lost and sinking deep in sin. So we've got two things, being lost. So again, it's a, it's a vague idea of being lost, but presumably there's some reference to, say, being a lost sheep from the, from the, the parable of the lost sheep in Luke uh, and Matthew. Uh, there's also this idea of sinking deep in sin, but you reached out your hand and rescued me. So there's this, there's a kind of an image of 
quicksand or maybe water. Again, could be a reference to Peter sinking when walking on water. But is this idea of, of, of a slow process of descent because of sin, and then we see a kind of personal rescue. We have what would seem to be God rescuing the person, and the reason we can probably say this rather than just anybody, even though God or Christ isn't named, is because the problem is sin. So the rescue is from sin, so presumably this is a Savior, which is not just any person. Like, no no regular person can rescue you from sin. So this is God. So, yeah, I mean, this this gives you a little bit better sense of the problem, or at least a more biblical sense of the problem, than many songs that are coming out in the United States, Canada, the UK, which, you know, in which, in, in many of those songs, the problem often is just darkness or badness or sadness or loneliness or something like that. Or even to implicate oneself would be pretty, pretty rare in some of these songs. To say, I was sinking in sin. Yeah might turn some people off. Yeah. So. Yeah, so so we have an explicit you know, it was sin. Now, to not entirely contradict what you've just said, I would say sinking deep in sin could be active, passively or actively sinking in sin in the sense that like the person could have just walked into some kind of sin and it was just there and trapped them. Sin, sin is definitely the problem. I guess I don't know if in this first verse we have culpability in that sin, but maybe the word sin is enough to carry a sense of culpability. Like presumably sin is not something that you just passively experience. Okay, so there's some interesting things here. So um, you mentioned the parable of the lost sheep. So if you're lost, that's the case, uh, that you would be a sheep that had left the fold, for example. Yeah. There are other senses in which one can be lost, too. You could be on a journey and lose your sense of direction, or uh, in a really eternal sense, you, you could have been eternally lost, yes, too. Right. Now, that's not uh, clearly stated here as well. And the other thing I like about um, sinking is that in a large body of water, it is an irreversible process naturally. So if you're in the middle of Lake Volta or if you're in the middle of the ocean and you're sinking, there is no hope for you. Yeah, right. Except if someone intervenes. And so that's what I like about this. And then it's a little bit vague here, but God reaching out his hand and rescuing this um, man, it's it's left a little bit open, but we, we do see this idea to some extent in scripture, for example, in Isaiah 52, God bears his holy arm. And so that, that, that could mean right to, to save, but it also often means he's gearing up for war, right? He's getting ready to strike with his hand, so to speak. Yeah. The mighty hand, the outstretched arm, these are ways in which God defends or, or fights for his people. Right. Right. But what I like about this distinction that you're making, uh, without commenting on it necessarily is, you're saying there's a difference between saying, I have found myself in sin, and I have um, sinned myself, or I have implicated myself and freely chosen sin, or I have inherited sin from Adam originally. 
That's a fine distinction to make. Sure. And worthwhile. Yeah. But, you know, credit for at least mentioning that our problem is sin, even if it, even if the song doesn't go into the details of that. Um, you know, one other thing I guess I'd say about this first verse is he does say in the the main video for this song, which has, I think, nine and a half million views, so fairly popular, uh, he says something like, this, this, song is my, this song is my testimony. Okay. So he says, you know, presumably this is a song about him personally. The final thing I'll say about this verse is that it declares God to be exclusive. Yes. So no one else could have saved him from this conundrum that he was in, from this problem. Uh, he says, no one else can do the things that you do. There's no one else but you. And so this reminded me of Psalm 113, 5. Who is like the Lord our God, the one enthroned on high? Right, it's a rhetorical question. No one is like him. There is no one else but him. Yep. Colin, then we get to the refrain. Now you have the translation of things. <laughs> I'm going to do my little dance here because yeah, it, yeah, that's it right. is such a catchy refrain. And Tyler is wearing a polka dotted dress right now. You can't see on the podcast. That's but. right. That's right. I, well, I was inspired by Colin who wore <laughs> um, a polka dotted bow tie. Bunonie, bunonie, bunno. No one else but you. So the refrain is bononie, which is translated as no one else, and then nunsor bononie, Lord, no one else, bono, only you, no one else but you. So no one Ah, else, Lord, no one else, only you, no one else but you. So the translation helps us to see that it's really the same sentiment throughout this chorus. No one else but you. If I were being very picky, it would be like, no one else what no one else does what does something or is something or yeah. or there is no one else which i presume is is the meaning right no yeah. one else but you there is the there is is missing it's in parentheses sure i think it has to be inferred from the ending of the yeah. first verse where no one else can do the things that you do there is no one else yeah. but you and then we arrive at uh the luigi mclean uh feature in this song Never thought that you could love someone like me You gave up your life for me, yeah You even go home and call me your very own So grateful for your love No one can do the things you do for me No one else but you Never thought that you could love someone like me. To give up your life for me, you even go on and call me your very own. So grateful for your love, your mercy and grace. No one can do the things you do for me. No one else but you. Okay. So you mentioned the phrase, your mercy and grace, which the people in the chorus say in response to what he says. So mercy and grace does hint at the gospel. If you don't have mercy and grace, I mean, just just think about these words. They could they could be about anybody. Never thought that you 
could love someone like me to give up your life for me. Now that also, I guess, is a little more gospel-oriented. You even go on and call me your very own, so grateful for your love. No one can do the things you do for me, no one else but you. So again, a lot of vagueness, but there are hints at things that are biblical that come out of the gospel. So the mercy and grace component, obviously. The second one is to give up your life for me, right, which references the idea of Christ on the cross, and also suggests that that life needed to be given up for the person, that there was some, um, there's some sacrifice that was needed. So there's something there. Again, it's 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 a pretty tame way of saying of saying it, but it 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 works. And then you also have this line, which again hints at the gospel. You even go on and call me your very own. So now, in a romantic relationship, it's true that like I could say of my wife, like you are my very own. Um, you could also say it of a parent-child relationship, like I could say of my daughters or my son, I call you my very own. And I think that is probably the way in which he means it, but of course, with reference to adoption, in particular in the Pauline epistles, to this idea that God has adopted us and made us his very own. He's made us his children. He's brought us into his household and brought us into the, the sort of the family of God. I think that's what is meant here. I don't think that's a big stretch. So some key lines in this verse help us realize that it's about the gospel. They could be kind of more explicit, but at least they're there. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. There are two ways you could read this song, and it depends on how you, what your interpretive framework is when you listen to it. So if you listen to it from the interpretive framework, assuming that this person is a Christian, then it's very clear what he's talking about. And I think there's basis for this because Joe Metal has founded something called Joe Metal Ministries. So he's even, he's, he's um, defining it- himself and expressing himself as a minister over and above a mere musician. What a good idea. I wonder if anybody else has thought to just use their name in a, in you know their ministry. Yeah, what could go wrong? Right, it's there. a great way to, you know. So, yeah, so if you interpret this as the song of a Christian, then I think it's clear what he's singing about. But you're also right, absolutely right. If you come to it from the interpretive framework, which is naive, not in a bad way, but no. just simply it's a clean slate, and you as you interpret it, as you read from the text, you interpret it that way. It certainly is open to some interpretation what's going on here. But he does, as you said, declare uh, that whoever this person he's singing to is, they have given up their life yeah. for him. And so either it's someone who sacrificed their life to give him maybe a better life. Maybe his grandfather died in a war or something yeah. like that, and he's singing to him. But that would be rare, right? So it's sure. almost certainly... Like this is typically not something a parent does or a uh, or a spouse does. It might be something they would do in a and and occasionally as you as you you know you give a good instance of that like in a war or say like it's, it is something that 
indeed does occasionally happen. But also, there's there's another sense in which there's a, a nugget of Christianity hidden here, and that is he's saying, I never thought that you could love someone like me. And that's not something you would say to your grandfather. Sure. Your, your, your family is expected to love you on some mm-hmm. level. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. This this idea that God calls us his own, or in, in, this, in the language of this song, that you could call me your own, I think is hearkening to Romans 8, yeah. 14, for all who are called by the Spirit of God or sons of God. Yeah. There's this undercurrent of Psalm 8, I would say, where the, the psalmist says in verse 4, what is mankind that you are mindful of him, human beings that you care for them? That's the NIV translation of that. And I think this undercurrent pops up several times where the human singer or author is reflecting upon... Uh, his own self-perception is being someone not worthy of love, not worthy of this great sacrifice that he's received. And I think that's scriptural, assuming you're willing to interpret it in a Christian framework, which I am. So where would I be? Where would I be if not for your love? Your love's so amazing, it's better than life itself. I once was lost, but now I am found. Wonder where they got that. (laughs) Father, you found me. I'm so glad that you did. Okay. Uh, Again, don't have even the name God or Christ yet, but we finally have Father. So now... Again, from a naive perspective, is this a normal earthly father? Well, no, uh, it doesn't appear to be because you know this language comes out of the the, the parable of the two sons or the parable of the prodigal son, where we've got the 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 son that squanders his inheritance, being lost, but now being found. The father says this of him, and the father found him you know, and, and ran off, you know, ran to go and, and embrace him before he'd even gotten to the house. So there's, there's a kind of a reference to a prodigal here. But again, if not for that, um, it's just kind of generically talking about love and love being great and love being amazing, which could apply a lot of different ways. But there's just enough in this, like just enough to say, okay, this is God's love. Father is God the Father. And, you know, the, the, the person's just saying, I'm really glad, I'm really happy that I've been found by God. And, yeah, kind of um, ties back nicely to what we saw in the previous verse, because you had the line, you made me your own, so we have adoption, so we have another kind of familial reference, and now we have this familial reference here with the father finding the the kind of lost son or the prodigal son that presumably Joe Metal kind of thinks of himself as. I like that he declares that God's love is better than life itself. Also appears in the Psalms. It's very reflective. I mean, I'm so glad that you found me. Yeah. There's there's something um, pleasant about that level of frankness. Yeah. You know, I like this about the song in general and... and um, there's very little pretense about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. This was also the case in the song from Nigeria as well. Like, the, there wasn't 
this may this is going to sound this is going to sometimes songs that come out of the US are like too contrived like it's clear like they spend way too much time trying to think of little clever images and metaphors and these sorts of things whereas both this song and the song from Nigeria they're just pretty frank just like I'm just really happy I can't believe you did this this is really amazing you have a perfect track record you know just yes just stating kind of normal in everyday language yeah exactly and there's something nice about that you know where it just the song isn't trying to make itself so incredibly profound that it actually distracts from god like this kind of simple language at least to me strikes me as authentic in a way even though it's a little bit vague it nevertheless strikes me as authentic let me let me say this um and this is without judgment on either side um the singers of this song dress extravagantly and speak plainly but in the U.S. often what happens is people will dress in this very contrived way to look plain. So they'll have just kind of like a t-shirt on and some jeans. Sure, it's expensive here too, but the point is they dress plainly and then speak extravagantly. It's true. Um, and it's it's an interesting parallel there um, to look at, or it's, it's not really a parallel, a juxtaposition. Yeah. Then we come to another ga part of this song. <laughs> There's no one like you, no one else, no one else, no one, no one like you, none like you. And much repeating in there, but you get the idea. It's the same one as before. God is unique in this way. He is he is set apart. You might even say, yeah, uh, in in being the one capable of saving him and and desirous of saving his own. Yeah, I think that's the way we have to interpret these statements about God's exclusivity. How is he exclusive? The song tells us a few ways, and it seems to be oriented towards saving, adopting you know, bringing into the family kind of thing. That seems to be the thing that God is exclusively able to do. Uh, There's a lot, of course, there are many other things that God is exclusively able to do or is is unique about him, which isn't mentioned in the song, and that's okay. It's good that the song kind of focuses on a few things. Um, I do think, though, and this is maybe getting into a general comment, I do think that the song could focus, could detail those things a bit more. So the song does well to mention adoption, the need for salvation, and and sin, mention sin, uh, and, you know, being found when one is lost. But there there is a lot more detail that could be there. So I'm glad that the song acknowledges those things, acknowledges that only God can do those things to the extent that they're being described in this song. But I would love to see some more uh, yeah, just specificity. Yes, in there. you want to see it fleshed out a bit more. Yeah, I think what so. Is it? Who who lost their life? What what was the how death? did that happen? Yeah. yeah, how did Christ save you exactly? Um, and, or even just to name Jesus would be nice. I mean, and in, in, to to maybe give more definition to to the idea of being called 
God's own. So in what sense? Are you talking about me being a son of God? Or are you talking about me being a member of the people of God? Are you talking about me belonging to the bride of Christ? What What is the sense here in which I am called his own? Not that there's a problem with just speaking in that more general term, but it's missing some detail. One other thing I'll say, just kind of by way of uh, summarizing my thoughts on the song overall, uh, it's clearly personal, like the person is talking about God saving them, and there's not really a collective church. This is a kind of individual testimonial song that this person is singing. At the same time, I don't think this song is self-absorbed, even though it is about God saving an individual, and many of the lines are the person kind of reflecting on God's love for them. The song does a pretty good job of saying something that the person realizes and then turning that back to praise towards God or uh, wonder at God's love or just sort of describing the action of God. So even though I'd like to see more specificity in that description, it is nevertheless God-centered. So something like, Father, you found me, right? We have lines like that, just, just kind of saying that God is still the actor, I think, largely in this song. I was lost and sinking deep in sin, but you reached out your hand and rescued me. So the person describes their state, but merely as a means to set up the more important action of God. So that's really nice. Um, Just the attention is always being turned back towards God in this song. And if you look at the things that are repeated the most in the song, it is no one else but you, you alone, th- that kind of sentiment. It would be way different of a song if the repeated phrase was something from, say, the first verse, where would I be? Tell me, where would I be? Where would I be? And right. it was just contemplating where would I be? Right. Or um, this song opens with uh, with five words that in a Christian context have a very specific meaning. And so it's a little bit strange when it opens with i am who i am and and you're thinking oh is is this about no okay it's yeah, not about you know the name right. that god declares of himself to to moses um but even when it says things about itself it's tying it back to god i am who i am because of you right yeah. if it had not been for you where would i be uh so it, it is introspective but not self-absorbed yeah yeah, exactly. And in that sense, it's a lot like the Psalms. The Psalms do this all the time, where the psalmist is describing his state, describing things that people around him are doing, describing his thoughts, but there's always a turning towards God, right? Either right after those thoughts are expressed or certainly by the end of the psalm. Like the Psalms often start out with, my problems right here and now, these are what they are. But God, you're rich in mercy, or your steadfast love endures forever, or whatever. And this song has that similar idea. And yeah, there's a huge difference. There's just a huge difference between songs, many, you know, many songs that have come out in the last 10, 20 years in the United States, Canada, UK, etc., where they purport to be about God, but 
they're really very focused on the person singing, like just going into their problems, going into their issues, their thoughts, their worth. I mean, the big thing that you see in a lot of songs these days, and we talked about a bunch of them, especially on the first series, so go back and listen to that listener if you want a sense of that. Like, God only knows the real you. <laughs> right, right. Exactly, right. The, the camera is on the person, whereas this song doesn't do that, and I think that is to be admired. Colin, what would you give this song out of five things? I gave this song three out of five surprise brass sections. Oh, yes, I because, love it. Because <laughs> you're watching this video, and you can see people on the stage. There's, you know, some guitar player. There's some ladies dancing in polka dot dresses. And men, too. They have matching vests. There's some dudes in polka dot vests that are kind of dancing a little bit. It's a drummer. There's the people singing. So you're watching the song for like four minutes, and then all of a sudden there are these guys playing brass instruments. Like, I'm like, where did they come from? They pop up in the back corner, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they're just suddenly there. Which makes you wonder, did they have to sit on stage for four minutes with their instruments holding them waiting yeah. for their part to come in? Or did they come in halfway through the song? Yeah, who knows? But just, they were lost, but then they were found. What did you give it, Tyler? I give it four out of five overlong vowels. So generally speaking, English has a long and short vowel distinction. Bead and bid yeah. are different uh, in their length as well as their quality. But in ga, you can have short vowels, long vowels, and overlong vowels. And I have some examples. So um, ba means to come. Maba, I will come. And then ma, I will not come. So it has a very long vowel on the end, but it's all one overlong vowel. So I thought it was interesting about the ga language. And up until now, I made it through the whole podcast without saying ga is best when served live. Very good. So generally positive reviews from Colin and myself. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, Thank you for all Ghanaians who have listened to this podcast. If you had not, we would not even have known about this song. So we're very appreciative of you. Uh, Share this with your friends. Consider a donation on our website, theworshipreview.com. And we'll see you next Monday. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchor.fm slash theworshipreview and patreon.com slash theworshipreview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.